0: You're listening to the Mountain and Valley Podcast. This podcast exists to encourage, empower, and equip you to share your story and with it, the gospel. On today's episode, Kip and I define who is your neighbor, what it means to eat, heal, and tell, and we share some practical steps on how to share your faith with them. Thanks for joining us, everyone. We hope you enjoyed our special guest episode with Moses. Moses. No, that was this. We know that was a little bit different, a little untraditional for our guest episodes. But again, we hope you enjoyed it.
1: I enjoyed it. I did too. It was different. It was fun. I I love getting to explore Bible characters more. And and we've always wanted to do that. So it might be something we do more frequently. Yeah
0: and i think it was a good exercise for your writing mm.
1: <laughs> i wrote a, <laughs> i will para- paraphrasing paraphrasing we'll we'll use that i will say i wrote it in like an hour so it was, it was a test to be sure well i could have done that but <laughs> before we get started i have to ask you a question will you be my neighbor
0: okay mr rogers
1: did you watch Mr. I Rogers? Did. Okay, I did not. So you don't know I, anything
0: I, about Daniel Tiger other than what's current?
1: Uh, yeah, you're you're right. I don't know who that is.
0: It was a little hand puppet. Oh, he, he had hand puppets. Okay. Yeah, okay. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. That was my childhood, man.
1: There you go. I watched a couple episodes. It was more of a it's a big red couch person. Or is it comfy red couch? Big comfy couch. Big comfy couch. I don't even know. There you go. Well, you know, it's been 20 years. I didn't care for it because <laughs> the clown. I don't like clowns. <laughs> well, it is a wonderful day in the neighborhood, regardless. And today we're going to be discussing what it looks like to share our faith with our neighbors. So here's our first our first question. Jeez. Who what? Cheesy intro aside. <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't cheesy. It was Uh, a good intro.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Cheesy intro aside, who is our neighbor?
1: Who is our neighbor? How how would you define the word neighbor without using a dictionary?
0: Like a literal definition, or yeah, you like you're
1: not Christianese, but you, Micah, when you hear the word neighbor, what comes to mind?
0: The person that lives next to me.
1: Okay. Okay. Cool.
0: That's that's literally what I think of. Yeah. Although I know in context to this episode and what we're going to be discussing, it's a little bit different, and I'll let you go into that.
1: Well, I mean, yes and no. Well, I will say um, we kind of mentioned you kind of mentioned it. Like the word neighbor has become a Christianese word. Um, so, if anyone out there is listening, and you're you're new to the faith, or you're in a context totally different from ours, um, you know we, we use this word "Christianese" to describe some of the cliche, cheesy words that Christians, in especially in America, use uh, just as part of their day-to-day conversation. And one of those has become the word "neighbor." Um, now, outside of the Christian context, I think it's safe to say that when you say neighbor, it, it might mean, like, literally the person next door, uh, someone who lives in your neighborhood. Um,
0: Hence the key. Neighbor. Neighborhood.
1: Neighborhood. Wow. Words are fun. Um, but as far as the, the, the Christian culture goes, when we say neighbor, we literally mean anybody and Everybody, I would say.
0: I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, that it's kind of people you're not super close to Mm -hmm. in relation. So it's kind of like everyone else. You have your family, you have your friends, you have your coworkers, and then you got your neighbors.
1: That's a good way. That's a really good way to look at it, honestly. So maybe a a different word would be strangers, acquaintance, acquaintances. Yeah. Yeah. Because the moment you meet
0: someone, you meet their acquaintance. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's a good way to look at it. I hadn't really thought of it that way. Um, and I think, I think this comes from a specific passage in the Bible. Actually, I know it does. Um, so we're talking about Luke 10, uh, verses 25 through 37. I'm going to read those very quickly. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So I think this is kind of where we get this, this terminology of neighbor is from this passage. Um, Jesus is confronting this lawyer, uh, this Pharisee, if you will, who is trying to like, Kind of pull one over on Jesus, kind of like get around the law almost. He's looking for a loophole. He's looking for a loophole um, and trying to get Jesus to say, well, you know, your neighbor's really just the guy who lives next door to you. If you're nice to him, then you're good to go. But Jesus Jesus catches him on it. And is like, your neighbor is anybody around you um, who needs help. Um, and that's where we get this amazing parable of the Good Samaritan. Um
0: which that could be an episode in itself. Yeah,
1: gosh entirely yeah and we'll I think we'll we'll touch on this a little bit as we go along because there are some things that that Jesus gives us here and in multiple places um, that show us how to relate to our neighbors. So I think one thing to pull from this passage right here now um, Jesus is challenging this mindset that the Jewish people had where, uh, they kind of shunned, the, especially the Samaritans, but any Gentile, really. Um, but they they really looked down on Samaritans. And I want to point that out because in, in this context of, of Christianese and how we use the word neighbor, a lot of times it's in relation to uh, missions work or, or outreach or whatever you want to refer to it as. And we refer to anybody from other other nations sometimes as neighbors
0: and that's true but today in this episode we're going to be speaking about specifically people that live next to you neighbors yes.
1: and one one reason i think this is important to discuss is now now more than ever um after everything that's happened with covid our our neighbors, our literal next door neighbors, are people who are hurting and need help, and that's always been the case. But I think more so now, it's it's a reality. Um, but one other thing that comes to mind for me, and I, you've probably heard this too, Micah, um, when when missi- missiologists, pastors, uh, missionaries, however you want to want to think of it, uh, talk about some of the logistics as far as missions go. Um, You know, there's not a lot of people leaving uh, America who call themselves Christians to go to other countries to share the gospel. And so something that we have noticed uh, a trend with statistics lately is that there are more people coming to the states uh, for work or family or whatever it is, just a better opportunity at life. And so our next door neighbors now um, are, are the nation's. So, because we refuse to go out to the nations, the nations have started coming to us. Um, And, you know, different people might have different thoughts on that. Do you have anything to say to that effect? Have you heard that before? No, but I don't see it
0: as a stretch by any means. In fact, one of our neighbors uh, is from Alaska. And while that's not... That's not another country? No. (laughs) But... Or in Tennessee, Alaska is a pretty significant distance and just kind of furthering the point that people come to the continental U.S. primarily.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So those those are two two things and we're going to circle back around to that. But like Micah was saying, our main focus today is literally your next door neighbor, the person in your neighborhood. Um and I think a lot of what we're going to discuss in this episode is applicable to all the other relationships in your life. So some of this does apply to co-workers, even though we didn't touch on it in the last episode. And even if we, might, if we don't come back to it, it, it's applicable to family and friends, too. So we were going to try to get our friend Taylor Smith onto this episode, but he is a super busy dude. Um... And one reason is because he's gotten involved in this really cool thing called micro microchurches uh, that literally involves sharing your faith with your neighbor. So could you tell us a little bit of what's going on there, Micah?
0: Yeah. First, if you haven't heard Taylor's story, he was one of our guests previously, and it's definitely worth a listen. But he has started not, comp- not by himself. He's doing it with some other uh, leaders in our church but they are just doing that creating people's that's weird. They're doing just that. They are training and equipping individuals to start micro churches in their home and their neighborhood with people that may not step foot into a church building under normal circumstances. And it's creating an environment of evangelism on a regular basis and kind of normalizing the conversations that should be happening, but also discipling them into or along the road, uh, what Christianity is.
1: What, um, for anyone who might not know what is a micro church?
0: It's, it's just that it's a group of people that are getting together to talk about the Bible to study it. There may be some, uh, singing and worship if, uh, if they want it, but it's, uh, it's going, it's being the church outside of the physical building of the church. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a, a good example of what the early church looked like, but also what the modern church could have to look like in the next, couple decades
1: yeah that's that's a really true um i think we're seeing this trend happen more and more so francis chan's church uh kind of started going down this route to i forget what their church is called um francis chan's church that's what it's called i'm just kidding but they they broke up into what they're just calling them house churches um so they they were a mega church but then they started splitting off and meeting in people's homes in smaller groups Cornerstone Cornerstone Community Church. Where is this? That's Oh, that's what their church is called. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Cornerstone Community Church.
0: He is the former teaching pastor there. There you go. Which I think is where you're going with this now.
1: Yes. Um Yeah, he just kind of stepped away from the mega church thing and decided it was more more personable to have people meeting face-to-face and talking about the word rather than one guy being on a stage talking to thousands of people at one time. Um, It allowed for better discipleship in a lot of cases for people who maybe weren't super mature in their faith. Um, We also have seen this happen to uh, J.D. Greer's church, Mm -hmm. uh, the now former president of the Southern Baptist convention as of a month ago. Um, but during COVID Greer's church uh, summit church started meeting in houses because they couldn't meet in the actual church building. So I think a lot of what has happened with COVID is forced churches in like the localized setting to realize if we can't meet in a building, we have to do something. And that has led to a lot of house churches popping up. Um,
0: So let me ask this question: What's the difference between a micro church in like a community or a small group or a life group or whatever you may call it?
1: It's a great question. So my understanding of how how this would work um, is, you know, it still feels like a church meeting, and I've I've been to some house churches overseas, and you know, it's 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 very similar to how the church operates, like the order of service um, in a bigger church. So like you know, you have maybe a moment of worship if someone is musically inclined who's there. You have a big bigger teaching moment where one person opens scripture and then just talks through, um, you know, that passage, and then you might have a little bit of discussion about it. You definitely. Um, Pray for each other and anything that's going on in your lives. Um, And then that, you know, that group would break up into smaller groups and lean into personal one-on-one discipleship. Um, I think that's the biggest thing that it comes down to is just everyone knows everything that's going on in each other's lives. Whereas in a bigger church, it can be easy to just be a nominal Christian and slip in on a Sunday morning, sit down in a pew, listen, and then leave. Mm-hmm. If you're in a church setting, that's not possible. Um, everyone knows you're there. Um, you're a lot more involved. And all of the things that you're, you're struggling with and trying to figure out in life, there are people walking right there next to you. And they're not going to let you stumble and fall.
0: So that was a pointed question and I probably should have just answered instead of asking um, at least with what Taylor in the group he's with is doing that's different than the small group or Bible study setting is that it's evangelical
1: ooh yes and yeah.
0: so it's not necessarily closed to believers but that's not the goal the goal is to, to seek the lost and a Bible study in my experience, is often, or a small group, community group, again, whatever you call it, there's a lot of different names, is more for edifying and encouraging one another, as well as challenging for mm-hmm. growth, in that I felt like is what you were describing, whereas the micro church is, I want to invest in you. You may have no relationship, you may have an immature faith, as you mentioned, but it's specific for discipling and, and growing believers yes. whether new or immature and, and maybe some mature along the way i'm sure there's different examples of micro churches all throughout but the ones that i'm more familiar with that's kind of the model they're using
1: yeah i think that's i think it's just you know these these micro churches or house churches are really focused in on discipleship mm-hmm. which is great and amazing and powerful and then the bigger churches and i'm not making light of this they're more focused on worship and fellowship and and praise and celebration there's a a really that's a really important part of of our walk but there's a little bit less focus on discipleship sometimes
0: yeah and even if there's an attempt at it it's just not going to be the same effect Mm -hmm. and i think there needs to be a balance I support large churches, small churches, micro churches, your average size church. We attend a, a pretty a, big church, a mega church. Let's call it what it is. And there's a lot of, um, a lot of positives that come with that, but there's also a lot of negatives. You know, I wouldn't recognize half the people I go to church with over half of them walking down the street or sitting in the same office building as them just because there's so many people that church is you know everybody like you said you know what's going on and it's a lot more intimate
1: mm-hmm. yep and what is what is really cool about um, you know not not every uh, micro church is like this um, house tr- there's there's all sorts of different setups to how people are operating house churches or micro churches. Um, but the really cool thing that Taylor is doing, and you alluded to this, is that his uh, microchurch uh, sort of goal is to not have people who are already followers be a part of it. The goal is literally to go out and find um, you know, co-workers, neighbors, unbelieving, unbelieving friends and family members and invite them to just maybe sit down and have a meal together and have a discussion about uh, what what the Bible says and to just slowly build out discipleship for people who, like you said, would not step foot in a church.
0: Yeah, and not saying this in a negative way by any means because I I agree with it, but when I first talked to Taylor about possibly going, um, it it was very politely, but he was like, You're not invited. It's not for you. Mm. He didn't say those words at all. He kind of reiterated the emphasis on what they were trying to achieve. And I think that's awesome because there's so much more at stake. Yeah, it would be nice to check it out. But at the end of the day, that's not the goal. That's not the mission. And it could hinder. It could be a distraction. If there were more people that showed up that had and I use air quotes here, all the answers to the questions of what they're talking about, whereas if there's a lot of unchurched people, they're getting to stop and think about well, what does this passage of Scripture mean? What does it say? What are we learning from this? What are the characteristics of God?
1: Well, one thing that he's doing uh, that's relatively unconventional, just out of the norm, is he's hosting a game night. For, for friends and you know people like literally going door-to-door in his own neighborhood and inviting people to come over and play games so that he can move towards having conversations that are about Jesus. Yeah, and he's not
0: just doing that. And this is why we both w- wished he could have joined us for this episode. So, Taylor, if you're listening... We love you. Yes, and we love what you're doing. It's literally walking down the street talking to his neighbors you know he him and his wife and their son purposely take walks to get to know the neighbors and their neighborhood layouts conducive to that whereas i feel like ours is a little hilly yours
1: has a lot of hills and curves
0: and um, unfortunately people like to go a little fast and i'm kind of uncomfortable about walking it but if I'm outside doing yard work or if I see a neighbor outside doing yard work when I'm coming home, I'm, I'm trying to start conversations in practical ways of how you start with small talk. How's it going? Both of our neighbors have some sort of garden and when they're out of town, they've asked us to water it. And so that's allowed further conversations and you just start building a relationship. And just like you do with anyone, you, as a Christian, we're called to be, to stand apart, set apart. That's the phrase. And so one of them, uh, uses profanity and we never did. Uh, Paige and I just, we don't, we don't cuss. So we don't use profanity. And he picked up on that without saying anything and he doesn't use it either. On occasion he may, but it's nowhere near what it was before. And as we continue to build this relationship and talk about our faith and you know, if there's an opportunity to pray with them, taking that opportunity. Um, there's so many times that we as Christians and I'm guilty of this at times, I'm trying to get out of it, is oh, I will pray for you. Why say it?
1: Just stop yeah. Ask ask to do it. Yeah, we have a friend, uh he's been on the show, David Dawkey. He constantly calls people out on that as like if you're gonna sit there and say that you're gonna pray for somebody Literally stop right then and there and pray for them on the spot.
0: Yeah. And how much more impactful is it to ask, well, can I pray with you over that? And they may say no, and I wouldn't push it because then you're just shoving religion down their throat and doing potentially more harm than good. But ask. And if they say no, that's fine. Be respectful. You can pray for them later after you walk away, as you're walking away.
1: I actually got to pray with one of our neighbors before we moved recently. Um, you know, we we did everything you're, you're talking about there. We just got to know this this lady who lived next to us, um, Got got on a first-name basis, made fun of our goofy dog, and, you know, the last day before, like, we were no longer there, she came over to say bye and told us about some medical issues her husband was having, so I was able to just stop right there and pray with her on the spot and wouldn't have been able to do that without first, you know, building out some sort of relationship. I think we have a tendency to just ignore our neighbors. Uh, We just, we come home, park the car, go inside and that's it. Maybe, maybe wave at someone when we're cutting the grass or going to get the mail, but we have a tendency to just not pay our neighbors any attention. And I think we all need to just stop and recognize that person who's living next door to me is another human being that Jesus went and died on the cross for. Especially for. Especially for. I need to stop and just learn their name. Yeah.
0: in something that we struggle with, we live in a large neighborhood, and just because someone's not necessarily receptive or responsive to your attempts, it doesn't mean you should stop. There's a neighbor down the road that every time we see them walking, every time we see them out, we're waving, we're, we're trying to talk to them. And honestly, every time we get blown off and it can be discouraging, but you just got to keep going. Mm-hmm. You got to understand what that stake and all it takes is that one chance. and, Maybe they're in a the mood to talk that one day, and if you didn't make an attempt or an effort, it's not gonna happen.
1: Yep. Yep. And while we're on it, um, I'm gonna move on to a bigger point here, but just real quick, something that Taylor introduced uh, both of us to was just prayer walking through your neighborhood.
0: That's an old thing for me, man.
1: I know, but you got to think I'm, I'm I'm a relatively new Christian, so I've been on prayer walks before. Yeah. like you know before before a big moment at the church or like on a mission trip or something never really stopped to think about i should just walk around my neighborhood and pray for my neighbors even if i don't know them right it was was a really big deal now that specifically prayer walking in your
0: neighborhood yes that was something taylor challenged both of us to specifically sorry that's what
1: i meant not not that prayer walking was new but prayer walking your neighborhood um but
0: i think uh And this is kind of a a thing that can tie into coworkers and family and friends is, you know, live in a, a mindset of prayer continuously. And so there are often times that I'm walking through the office at work and I'm praying about something or something pops into my head, a prayer request that I've prayed for, but I haven't prayed for again recently or in that day even. So I'm doing that or while I'm driving just having that mindset of prayer doesn't have to be this bow your head, close your eyes. Yes, that's a thing we do in reverence, but we're not restricted to that. And when you kind of wrap your head around that and start being mindful of how frequently you can pray and talk to God, there's so much opportunity in that. which kind of ties back into the prayer walking. It's not You're not walking around with your eyes closed for anybody who doesn't know.
1: That would be dangerous. We do not recommend doing that. You can pray with your eyes open. Well, uh, one thing I wanted to touch on, uh, just to give people like a really practical takeaway, um, was a concept that a professor at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary David Black. David Black recently talked about. Um, I have not. I've, I haven't had him as a professor yet. Um, I, I'm looking forward to having him as a professor for New Testament studies. I don't even know who it is. I just see him in the show notes. <laughs> He's just here in the show, notes I like, "Who is this guy?" Um, no, nothing's di- <laughs> on Google about him. <laughs> He's on Wikipedia. Did you make this up? He's on. No, I did not. I'm only. I will. I'm only like mentioning. His name, he's, he's just a, he's a scholar at, at the seminary that I attend. So I got to hear him speak at a chapel. Um, but I wanted to make sure I gave him credit for this. I don't want to say something and, and claim it as my own when it's something that someone else who's way smarter than me said. Um, so he was describing how Jesus went about his ministry and how we can... Uh, attend to people, uh, meet people and live out very similarly similarly and he said there are three words that we have to keep in mind when we're trying to evangelize, to, to share our faith with other people. And I think this very much applies to neighbors and those three words are eat, heal, and tell. eat, heal, and tell. so, the way he described this, uh, the first word is eat. So something that we want to do uh, with, again, with coworkers, friends, family, but especially with neighbors is get to know somebody. Fellowship. Fellowship with them. Like what, what is something that Jesus did repeatedly and that he got called out for? Breaking bread. He broke bread. He sat down and ate a dinner with sinners. Yep. Um, but, you know, even though, even though the word here is eat, because that is that is where we see Jesus meeting people is uh, is over meals. Um, this applies to a lot of different areas, and something that you can applicably. I have a hard time with that word. Applicablely, something that you can apply to, like meeting your neighbors, is getting to know things that they enjoy. So, um, if it's if it's sports. And you pull for a certain team, and maybe you see that your neighbor has uh, let's let's just say a, a Georgia Bulldogs like flag flying in their front yard or something. Then you it's, can it's make not, fun of them for that because <laughs> it's not Georgia, but that's hitting really close to home. <laughs> um, you know, you can have conversations about sports. Um, it could be anything. I'm I'm a big dork. I'm gonna be the first to say that. And there's this ministry I've, I've recently, like, really enjoyed following called Love Thy Nerd. And the big thing that they do is they will, um, they, they do outreach specifically for people who are in nerd culture, who, you know, like comic books and video games and movies and stuff. So they'll go to Comic Con and, and get to know people. Um, but one, one of the, the hosts on their, one of their radio shows um, explained how he used to have game nights where he would have people come over to try new video games or board games. And the whole purpose of it was so that he could, like Taylor does, get around to having a conversation about faith. it's just really cool. So one big thing to do is get to know your neighbors and get to know what they enjoy. And if you have to, just turn on the grill and, and have a big barbecue for all your neighbors.
0: It's hard to turn down food. That's right. Especially if you know how to grill.
1: That's right. I don't. I'm learning, but that's, I, I food is food is the best way to get to know people. We'll just we'll we'll say that. Just
0: be sure to ask about any allergies or dietary restrictions.
1: Yes. Uh, so the second word that he he mentioned, David Black, is heal. Um, so that one kind of speaks for itself, and th- that's the big one that we noticed in Luke ten. Um, with the the parable of the Good Samaritan. Um, You know, not all of us are medical professionals. Mike and I are not, unless you're not telling me something.
0: Nope, far from it.
1: Um, But one thing we can definitely do is meet people's needs. Yeah. So, I mean, one thing that I saw people doing uh, during... The, I guess the shutdown last year um, was going around and checking in on their neighbors. And, you know, if, if you had an elderly neighbor, you'd go make sure they're okay. If they needed to get toilet paper, <laughs> you would try to go get toilet paper for them. I don't know how you... Did you, ha- did you have a hard time finding toilet paper?
0: Uh, yes, but we were more proactive. That's such a weird thing to talk about.
1: <laughs> Is it the I don't know Last year was weird Last year was a mess Um, But I mean If you're If you notice like Your neighbor's yard Isn't being cut Yeah
0: Or If they're out of town And need help Watering their garden
1: Yeah That sounds That sounds like Something that's happening Right now
0: Uh, Paige has done that A few times For one of them Uh Because she's got The green thumb And I would kill it If I tried
1: There you go so just, you know, getting to know your neighbors again and if they have any kind of needs, helping them meet those needs, uh, being having a servant's heart, mm. being the good Samaritan.
0: And I would say use sound judgment with that in common sense. Don't go and get their mail if they're perfectly able to because it's a federal offense. Yeah.
1: Um, I, I don't think you should just randomly start cutting your neighbor's grass.
0: No, but be intentional. If you see you need to talk to them, if you are comfortable to ask, ask, is there anything I can do for you? Yeah. You know, yeah. and be tactful in that. You don't want to say, oh, you look like you're dying over there, so <laughs> let me do this. no. Hey, is there anything I can help out? It seems like you're really busy right now, or that you've got your hands full with whatever. Again, use common sense because the last thing you want to do is push them
1: away. Mm-hmm. And this probably, I mean, this probably comes more into play as you get to know people. Absolutely. Yeah. Knock on the door.
0: Hi, can I take out your trash? Yeah, it's no. a little creepy. You're weird. Goodbye. A little creepy.
1: Um, yeah. Do people still do neighborhood watches?
0: Um, I guess so. We have a neighborhood group on social media oh, okay, that okay. people, Hey, we saw this or, Hey, there's a dog loose. Mm. We got him in our yard. Whose is it? Kind of thing. Oh,
1: okay. So the last word that professor David black mentions is tell. So, you know, if you've, you've gotten to know your neighbor, um, You've maybe helped meet them where they're at Help help them uh, attend to needs, if you will uh, The next thing you want to do is to tell them uh, the gospel um, This could come in all sorts of forms Like You could just straight up uh, tell them the gospel as it is You could sit down and, and go through a passage of scripture with them um, There's all sorts of cool methods to do that
0: Maybe even sharing
1: your story exactly. with them, and that was the last one I was gonna say. Share your testimony with them, um, and I think I think that's we've we've talked a little bit about the two minute testimony on here. Um, yeah. It's not my favorite thing in the world,
0: no, but in situations like that, it's it's adequate and it leaves room for more questions, and you can always add to it. You don't have to tell your entire story in one setting necessarily. That's something we haven't talked about. Yeah. So if you never want to tell your story as if it's like a challenge or a comparison, if they're going through something, Oh yeah, I can relate. I've been through this or that. Well, that's not necessarily helpful, but if there's an opportunity where you can share a tidbit of your story in a way that's going to be received, absolutely. Yeah. And if you don't have time to finish it, hopefully there's other opportunities.
1: Exactly and you know i think i think a big thing there is it doesn't have to be point a to point z testimony it could be something as simple as you know there was this this time in my life where i really struggled with alcoholism and and god brought me out of it um and now here i am today uh you know simple simple little two or three sentence testimonies like that yeah. are super useful
0: absolutely and another thing that um, I know it's beneficial if you have a gathering. Like, let's say you're you're having a barbecue for your friends. Feel free to invite your neighbor. Exactly. They may not attend. They may not feel comfortable with it. But it's going to be less intimidating for you than it is for them. And if they're willing to come over, in that kind of situation, I think you've got a great opportunity.
1: Eat. You know, get to, get to know your neighbor. Uh, know what they like, what they don't like. Heal. Uh, address any needs that they might have and then tell just literally tell them the gospel eat he'll tell
0: so to recap while the word neighbor in scripture refers to pretty much anyone that you're not super close with and even them today we were talking about people that live next to you or in proximity to you and just some practical ways that We've seen, heard, or done ourselves of getting to know them and an attempt to create a relationship where you have an opportunity to share. Sharing the gospel, sharing your story, sharing Jesus. Thank you so much for listening to the Mountain and Valley Podcast. If you would like to support the show, you can do so by subscribing leaving a review or sharing an episode with a friend you can also follow us on social media just search underscore mvpodcast on any platform this podcast was created and produced by kip wilkinson and michael horvath this episode was mastered and scored by j.a Parker. to learn more about this project you can visit mvpodcast.org thank you so much for listening now go tell your story